0: Well, Good morning. It's good to see you. I told Don this morning as we were preparing earlier this week and we knew Chad would be out Sunday. I said, well, Don, with this weather coming in, it may just be two of us, but uh, I'm comforted because the Scripture says where there are two or three gathered that the Spirit of God is in their midst. When we have this many, we have church, right? So choir and orchestra and congregation, thank you for being here today and experiencing the presence of God in worship as the family of God, as the church of God here at First Baptist. It's been a wonderful day. I know I did have several that called yesterday and said the weather was just too cold for them to be out. They were uncertain about road conditions. So I know that was a concern. And so we do appreciate all of you for making the effort to be here this morning. And again, trusting that the Spirit of God will just be with us in a, in a, in a refreshing and deep way as we continue to prepare for Christmas. Are you ready? It's just a few more days, right? In fact, next Sunday will be Christmas morning. And we are looking forward to gathering, to worshiping at 10 o'clock on Christmas morning. There's been a little bit of confusion every, every time you change the time of something. But since all we're doing next week is, is worship on Christmas morning, uh, we're going to change the time to 10 a.m., So I want to remind you of that and and to let you beware. I know we had some confusion in some emails earlier this week, but 10 o'clock next Sunday morning will be uh, just a wonderful time in which we get to celebrate that the Lord is here. God is with us and through the birth of Christ, and it will be a wonderful day of worship. But how's your preparation going I'm sure some of you have family coming in this next week. Uh, maybe some of you are going to be with family. Uh, my uh, part of the family, my extended part of the family got together yesterday in, in Tulsa in Broken Arrow. And we had a wonderful time seeing cousins and, and their children and their children now. Uh, it was a wonderful time. And I know many of you are, are making those preparations. I suspect some of you are still making preparations to, to give and to receive gifts And to spend that special time, some making arrangements to go and to serve and to share with others. This Wednesday evening, we are going Christmas caroling. If you'd like to join us, we'll be meeting in the Family Life Center at 5 o'clock. And going out and singing and, and sharing in carols and returning for fellowship. Again, not as something extra to do, but as an opportunity for us to prepare. To prepare through singing and to prepare through serving and going and being with others So if you can make that part of your Wednesday night uh, activity, we'd welcome you and enjoy you coming to prepare for the birth of Christ as we go and sing Christmas carols to to others. Prepare the way. You know, we've been looking through the Gospel of Matthew and and focusing on the the John the Baptist passages of, of his ministry and his role of calling us to prepare for the coming of the Lord and so this morning we focus specifically on Matthew's expression of, of the Christmas story. Uh, Matthew writing to that, uh, that Jewish audience and particularly wanting to gain their attention and, and to introduce Jesus and his credibility as one coming to proclaim himself as Messiah. And so as we look at the Gospel of Matthew, he begins with that important genealogy linking Jesus through Joseph to David and to Abraham and to the great forefathers of the Jewish faith. And then in verse 18, continues to focus on Joseph and on his relationship with Mary. And that's the story that we read uh, just a few minutes ago congregationally. But if you would, let's step back and let's consider this, this story of Christmas, of the birth of Christ, from Joseph's perspective and let's ask the question, and how did Joseph prepare for the coming of Emmanuel, for the coming of the Christ child? Now, in verse 18, we are introduced to Joseph, and we see that he is betrothed to be married to Mary. Now, I'm sure most of us or many of us are familiar with the, some of the Jewish uh, marriage rituals. In practices and procedures, and betrothal was an important and significant part of that journey of a couple becoming husband and wife. A betrothal was a year of preparation for marriage. A betrothal was legally binding, and in order to break an engagement or a betrothal, you had to go through the legal process of divorce. In fact, there was a betrothal ceremony in which the bride and the groom came together, and the groom would offer the bride a gift. It was a gift that demonstrated his love for his soon-to-be wife. And it was also a gift that pledged and promised his return after a a year, after a season of preparation for his wife. This gift that the, the groom would give to the bride was a gift that was to be a reminder of his love during their days of preparation and during their days of separation. Now much of the preparation that took place was in building and preparing a place, uh, the husband preparing a place for his bride. In fact, the the groom had to prepare a a better place for the bride to live than where she currently resided. And it was up to the rabbi, the local rabbi, to make that determination. Now, many times the groom would would add on to the family estate. He would add on to his father's estate. He would build another room or a place for for his bride to come and for them to live with, with the family. But you can just imagine those conversations of, is it time to invite the rabbi and, and will he give his blessing that things are prepared for the bride to come? Now, any of you watch the, uh, the series uh, The Amazing Grace? It's a, it's a great creative series. It's, it's one where people are out traveling and doing all kinds of things. Well, there's a, a, a task or a a part of that, that game, that, that show, in which couples have to do tasks, in which there are times, in, in addition to tasks, there are roadblocks, and you have to, to do a task in order to continue to move forward. And it's always interesting, there's a local, there's a, a national, where whatever country that they're in, that after they do the task, the national has to give approval that they have completed the task appropriately. And it's always fun in that moment of determination where, where the couple would go and stand before this, this person who's to give their approval. And there are many times where the person says, no, you didn't complete the task right. You need to, to go back and do it again. And I can just imagine, Joseph, I can just imagine those, those Jewish grooms calling the rabbi and, and waiting and nervous and saying, I've prepared a place. Is it good enough for my bride? And this is the process that, that Joseph was in. The betrothal had already taken place and he was going to make his preparations. And verse 19 tells us that in this period when Joseph was preparing when he had already given his gift and and was making his preparations to go and to, to receive his bride. It was during this time that Joseph received word that Mary was pregnant. And Joseph understood that this was not his child. And we're not real sure that the scripture doesn't give us a lot of clarity into to how Joseph learned and understood and realized that, that Mary was pregnant. We we know in Luke's a story of Mary that when Mary finds out or, or is told that she's going to become pregnant, that she goes immediately she goes to, to live with her aunt Elizabeth that that smiles away. And so here's Joseph, and maybe it's when Mary returns after three months that, that, that Mary comes and, and, and tells Joseph what's taken place, that she's pregnant with child. Or maybe as Mary returns, rumors begin to circulate. And Joseph hears that the woman he's betrothed to is pregnant. Joseph, you can imagine his, his, his brokenness in that moment where he hears that the one who has pledged to be faithful to him is now pregnant. And in verse 19, the scripture says that Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, had planned to send her away Secretly, Some would suggest and plan to send her back to Elizabeth, to, to her, her aunt or her cousin where, where she could be secluded or, or removed from Nazareth, the hometown, and, and where Elizabeth had already received her and, and blessed her. And maybe Joseph just was going to encourage her to, to go back to Elizabeth and to stay there. But a new thought, maybe something for us to consider today, is this idea that being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, that somehow these two thoughts and ideas are in opposition to each other. I think an initial glance, an initial reading of this would say, well, obviously a righteous man wouldn't want to to disgrace anyone, especially someone that they cared about, but what if we understood the culture in such a way that these are set in opposition that Joseph being a righteous man meant that Joseph was a law abiding man and that the law required that someone who was unfaithful someone caught in adultery was to be put to death someone caught in adultery was to be made a public example so that others would not do that and Joseph was A righteous man Joseph was a law-abiding man and this is what would be required and expected of him Joseph would have been commended as a good Jew if he would have followed through with this public disgracing even if he wouldn't have gone on with the the ultimate sentence of death but to publicly disgrace and humiliate Mary would have been commended as a righteous Jew. But this is where I think Joseph's love and affection for his intended comes to the front. he does not want to follow the law. He does not want to to make Mary a public example. So again, he decides to quietly send her away. Could it be that in these first few days verses of Matthew, that we are being introduced to a new form of righteousness, a righteousness that includes grace and mercy and compassion, a love that includes grace and mercy and compassion, After all, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 13 that that beautiful love chapter that love bears all things. Love endures all things. And so instead of disgracing Mary, Joseph determines to put that disgrace upon himself. Well, Joseph... Why didn't you do what the law required? We thought you were a righteous man. Well, Joseph, is there something you're really not telling us about Mary's pregnancy? Joseph, what is really going on? And so you can see that Joseph now, because of his love for Mary, puts on and takes on her disgrace. What a beautiful and powerful picture of love, of a new righteousness, that would be developed and created through the story in the life of Christ. A new righteousness introduced to us in these early verses of Matthew. Joseph, you can see with this struggle going on. He, he loves Mary and he, he doesn't want to disgrace her, but he knows what the law requires. And he, you can just hear and sense the, the tension going on. What is he going to do? Oh, that he could just send her away but I wonder if there's something else going on deeper inside. And you can imagine that whatever night that was, or maybe over the series, excuse me, (coughs) a series of nights, that Joseph is sleepless and restless. And yet one night, he's able to to get to sleep. And the scripture tells us that, that he has a dream, he has a vision, and the angel of the Lord appears before him. And the angel says... To Joseph, Joseph, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Maybe that's what was stirring deep within Joseph all this time. Maybe his love for Mary was so deep that, that he, he was a righteous man and so he knew that the, the best he could do was, was to send her away. But maybe the deep yearnings of Joseph's heart was that he would marry Mary, regardless of the circumstances. And so maybe maybe Mary had had this conversation before this vision, but 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 regardless, the angel of the Lord comes and says, Joseph, this child, this child is of the Holy Spirit. This child is 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 a miracle. Go ahead and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take on her disgrace. Do not be afraid to take her as your wife. Do not be afraid to be the father of this child. Joseph, take her as your wife. 1 John 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. There's no fear in agape love, in sacrificial, unconditional love. There is no fear. And I believe the angel of the Lord came and revealed this to Joseph in a way that he was able to work through this tension that he was suffering and going through. He loved Mary and he wanted to believe her. He didn't want to listen to those around him, maybe even family members who were challenging his own righteousness. But he also didn't want Mary to be disgraced or to suffer. And now the angel of the Lord was nurturing what was already stirring in his heart. The angel of the Lord was nurturing this new righteousness that would be made manifest and made perfect in this very child. Do not be afraid, Joseph. Do not be afraid, for your son's name will be called Jesus. And verse 21 says, tells us a little bit more about this name Jesus. He said, He will be named Jesus and He will save His people from their sins. Now, now the word Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. The word Jesus means the Lord saves. And the reality is, is the word Jesus, the name Jesus was a very popular name in that culture and among the Jewish people because it was a constant reminder that it was the Lord who would save them. And so they would name their young boys, their their baby boys, they would name them Jesus as a reminder and as a proclamation that even in their oppression, even with the Roman armies and the Roman authorities over them, that it was God was Yahweh who was their salvation, And so in naming their children Jesus, they were making a prophetic proclamation to all those that would try to oppress and, and, and conquer the Jewish people, that Yahweh is our salvation. But notice what the angel added when he described Jesus in the name of Jesus. He said, you will call him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sin. What's the difference? The difference is that this Jesus will bring salvation that brings forgiveness of sin, that brings freedom from sin, now, we need to hear this in the, in the ears of, of the Jewish people of the first century. For you see, only God, only God can forgive sin. And the angel says that this Jesus will come and he will save. But he will save through the forgiveness of sin. And oh, by the way, don't forget that only God can forgive sin and so a few verses later the angel reminds joseph of isaiah's prophecy when he says this child will also be called emmanuel god with us emmanuel proclaims that god will be with us that god will be with his people in a new and more intimate and more personal way that god is not distant that god is present and that god understands this life in this world in which we live Emmanuel is a reaffirmation of the name of Jesus he is not just Jesus he's just not a Jesus he is the Jesus the Jesus who is God with us who comes to save us from our sin in verse 24 it's a beautiful story of Joseph's love and of his faith when the Scripture says that Joseph awoke and he took Mary as his wife. There was no time to waste. You see, the rumors were spreading all about. The expectations were continuing to mount. And Joseph went immediately. Mary would no longer suffer in her disgrace and her anxiousness alone. But Joseph would bear that with her as they lived out and experienced this beautiful story of Jesus, Emmanuel, coming to live among us. So Joseph embraced Mary's disgrace, but he also embraced and took on her joy and her hope and her peace and her faith. And Joseph became an integral part of this beautiful Beautiful Christmas story. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for Christmas? Are you prepared for the coming of the Lord? Let's focus on these last actions of Joseph, who awoke and he went and he did. Who awoke and he went and he took. Is there something that the Spirit of God is stirring in your heart? Is there something that the Spirit of God is stirring in your spirit? Can you relate to Joseph here? He's torn between these tensions and and he has an encounter with God through the angel of the Lord. And when he awakes, he knows what he needs to do and immediately he goes. And he acts in faith. Is it time for you to wake up? Is it time for you to wake up and to take a step of faith in your family or at work? Even here at this church. Is it time to wake up and then take action? Is there a step of obedience that the Spirit of God is calling you to take? A step of love, a step of faith. And you are waking up and realizing it, and you can't delay any longer. It's time to move forward. It's time to prepare today. Even if it means putting on someone else's disgrace. And coming alongside of them. Now remember, your step of love and of righteousness will offer a deeper and newer experience of God's joy, of His hope, of His peace, and of His love. Have you heard from the Lord in prayer? Have you heard in Scripture and wise counsel? Maybe in a dream and God has made... Whatever it is, come alive and awake in your life. Will you be faithful and obedient over these next days? It's time to prepare, to awake, and to do. One of the things that we do at First Baptist is we serve children. We serve children in a lot of different ways, and this morning, I want to share a testimony and a, a story of how we've been serving children in a new and different way. I'd like to invite Jim Stewart and Angela Atkins to come and just to share this uh, pulpit with me for just a few minutes. Angela, why don't you use the mic? No, Jim's got a mic. Why don't you just do that? Very good. Um, Jim Stewart is, after he retired, It didn't have anything else to do, so he's doing like a half a dozen things now. One of his ministries he's a part of is with the Children's Home in Moore, and we have recently be- received the Hope and Homes Award from the Baptist Children's Home. So Jim, tell us a little bit about that award um, and, and the churches that would receive that award.
1: Well, this is an award that we give out annually to churches and organizations and companies, who partner with us and walk alongside us in our ministry at Baptist Children's Home to provide the support and encouragement that we need for our children, our residents, our single moms. Great. And I, I will have to say I had, I had two temptations here in regard to my relationship to this church and, and the uh, recognition of our church to receive this award. Uh, I didn't want to be accused of uh, having a favorite son uh, recommendation as a volunteer coordinator But neither did I want to ignore the huge benefit that this church has been to our campus. And so I did want to, I wanted to acknowledge the actual contribution that our church has made to our campus. And so this year our church uh, is receiving this award.
0: Very good. And we'll place that uh, somewhere where we we can see that. And Angela, why don't you talk a little bit about through the community ministry, how we've reached out and been a part of the Children's Home.
2: This year, um, one of the main things that we did was that we um, made the Baptist Children's Home the focus of our To Norman With Love service projects, um, especially on Saturday. We had um, one group that um, collected money for Spooner Cottage, and then we had um, three different projects that we did on that Saturday, I think for mother's day Um, we had a group that worked in the flower beds in front of the administration building we had a group that worked that day and also came back and finished the grandest chicken coop in the world and we also had a group that worked on the um, vegetable garden to get that ready for some projects that they wanted well they wanted to plant vegetables with the kids and then we concluded that with a cookout for the volunteers, but also we hosted it for the campus for those who were able to attend. Very good. We had, um, our bike guys have been, as we have gotten, we get quite a few children's bikes, but we don't distribute many of those through our adult ministries for bikes here. So they've been fixing up a lot of those and have brought them over to the children's home for the kids to use on campus. And then we had two classes work on welcome baskets for um, new children that come to the campus, and I think we had a financial donation as well financial this year. Financial
1: donations, and uh, we have—we're one of two churches that provide at least 25 volunteers or more for our Miles for Smiles bike ride mm-hmm. every year, right. mm-hmm. which is one of our fundraisers. And we have uh, our church has booked at least two tables for the style show the last several years at MSC Suites, which is our largest fundraiser. Right. So. There are multiple ways that our church has been involved, and I look out in in this congregation this morning, I see some of you who've been part of that ministry, and we want to thank you personally. Representing uh, Greg McNeese, our our new incoming president of uh, OBHC, and Scott Conrad, who is our campus administrator. Uh, They're so appreciative of churches like First Baptist Norman. We only receive 10% of our operational funds through regular sources in Baptist Life. So 90% of that uh, needs to come from other sources, and churches like First Baptist Norman really have stepped up to the plate, and we appreciate it so much.
0: Very good. Thank you all so much for coming and sharing, and thank you for the way you've reached out in a lot of these different ways to serve and to, to minister to our children. Awake and do. And one of the ways that we do at First Baptist is our ministry to children even beyond the children's home. And there may be other ways. There may be other stirrings that God is leading us to. Let me close this morning with another encouragement to awake and to finish well. I appreciate the Rogers coming to to share some of the, the place we are financially. And December is always a huge month for us as a church. Let me encourage us to finish well together again. Of the three hundred fifty dollars to $400,000 that, that we need to raise to, to reduce our debt and our operational debt, um, we're at $100,000 after this week. We still have a, a mountain to go, but we've been, been giving faithfully and generously the first couple of weeks. Let us continue to be faithful. We're about $35,000 short of Ignite. That was a three point two million dollar building project, and we've almost completed paying that off. What a what an incredible testimony! And in our global missions, we've we've raised or received twenty five thousand dollars. Our goal for the end of this year is at sixty eight thousand to support our missionaries in uh, with IMB with uh, with CBF. And so I want to continue to encourage you and to invite you to to finish well. But let me offer this. Word of encouragement to us. It's time for us as a church to awake. To awake in the area of stewardship. We have many who give faithfully and generously and offer their tithes and their offerings. But we have others that are are struggling and that, that need to begin to practice that discipline and to bring their tithes and their offerings to the storehouse. Let us be faithful to awake, church, and to give and to finish well together I close with this thought it's time to prepare the way for love and as we prepare the way for love let's use Joseph as an example and let's not be afraid to awake to arise and to go and to do what God has called us to do let's pray